The following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. The following is a Galactic Netcast production. For more, go to GNCasts.com. The Force is strong with us, and we hope it is strong with you. Welcome to another edition of the new Jedi Archives with Zach Hagenbosher and Ben Schultz. Hello, Benjamin. It has been a while. It has been a real long while, and that is a combination of both of our fault. Because probably mostly mine. I would say probably mostly mine. <laughs> so at least we're not playing the blame game. At least we're both in agreement that it's our own fault. Right. Life gets in the way. That's what we always say, right? But welcome to our loyal listeners who are back with another episode of the New Jedi Archives. We have missed you. I know I have. I've missed fighting with Zach. Hey, that works. <laughs> and hopefully there are enough people out there that have missed you fighting with me that they're still around for this next set of episodes that we're going to be wanna, coming out with. You want to do a special shout out to the day ones just you know, for old time? No, sake? no. We're past that now. From now on... The same amount of appreciation will be shown to all of our listeners. All right. I like that. Equality. Equality, Ben. If the Republic felt that way, Zach. You know, it's funny that you bring that up. Because your opinion of the Republic and your opinion of the Jedi and such and such things, I think that that has really impacted the way that you view a certain character in Star Wars. And that is what we're going to talk about tonight. Okay. Which which certain character, Zach? There was a conversation that you and I had. It was actually recorded. Phil and uh, Chris, two friends of ours, who we were talking with at Fire and Ice 2019, they brought up the idea that the character of Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader, to them is a school shooter, hmm. is a person who committed murder on a grand scale at a public place of learning and apparently did so with the motivation that a school shooter would have. Well, I I think first, the first thing we need to qualify is it's not a public place of learning. Okay, sure. Fine. A place of learning. I'm, I'm just saying. A pla- you're right. Not a public place. A place of learning. The Jedi Temple was a place of learning. You know, I I vaguely remember this rocking my world at the time. The idea, because I really, really liked Anakin. Clone Wars Anakin specifically, not whiny prequel Anakin. This stirred up the question in me of really why this character is so beloved, despite the terrible, terrible actions that we see him commit and that we cannot justify. Well, let's... And let's, that that's the larger topic of this episode for, for everybody at home. That we're okay. going to be having a conversation. We have, we have not talked about this beforehand. There is no game plan. Okay. I think this is going to have to be broken down into two parts. Because okay. first, I think we need to address the school shooter aspect. Sure. Because I've seen that come up 
several times since then. And I think we really need to talk about that. I agree. Okay. Uh, and then it's a very that, extreme comparison to make. Well, and there are some valid points to it, but like you said, he kills a lot of people and he does it in a place of learning. But actually, that's where it stops. I agree. And so uh, the first thing we need to differentiate between is, was it Anakin that did that or was it Darth Vader? And I know they're the same person, but we both know they're not the same person. No, they're not. I think it was Darth Vader who did that. Second of all, um, I think it's mis- he's the crime in the Jedi Temple, because let's not, let's not pretend that that's not a terrible event. Okay, that was what he did was wrong. Murdering children is bad. Murdering That's people, mur- murdering people in general, I would say is a bad thing. Okay, I'm not sure if I'll go that far, but murdering children <laughs> is definitely wrong. Murdering- That's the official stance of the podcast. No, no, murdering people <laughs> is bad. We're going to put that out there right now. What if they're really, really bad people, though, Zach? I, I mean... But the Jedi are not that bad. Well, see, but there's where we differ. I think some of the Jedi are that bad, but that the younglings are not murdered. among that group. That they need to be murdered. Well, some of them. Okay, Okay. all right. Let's, I mean, Mace Windu was planning a military coup. We're getting into some heavy stuff here right away. But but anyway, the the point is that's bad. And so I don't want anybody to mistake any part of this discussion for condoning the murdering of younglings because it's not uh but it is also not a school shooting in the sense that we think of school shootings right i agree with that as well um first off anakin never attended that school that is not entirely true when did he attend that school i mean he did not attend that school he was never a youngling. He, at he the was temple. never a youngling, but he certainly learned at the temple. That to say he did not attend the school would be a misconception. Okay, let me let me rephrase. He did not attack his classmates. No, he in theory he did not. Granted, he did attack members of the order of which he had before that before just a couple of hours, a couple of minutes beforehand he had identified with and had dedicated his life to that order. Okay, but which Jedi does he attack on screen? They're, they show security footage of him attacking other Jedi, adult okay. Jedi. Okay, because I was going to say, we can't count, count Mace Windu when he defends Palpatine um, because that's actually him defending the ideals of the Jedi Order, defending the Republic. I also disagree with that. But we'll get to it, I guess. Okay, we'll get to that when we're done addressing the school shooter thing, because that I'm right about. Um, so I, they weren't his classmates, and also he wasn't motivated by what a school shooter, what we think of as a school shooter being traditionally motivated by. I agree. So I think I understand why you would make that comparison, and I think that part of the appeal of that comparison is the shock value because we universally think school shooters are bad and we also almost uni- universally think Darth Vader is cool um, 
but sometimes the bad guys are cool and and it's not mutually exclusive that you can like darth vader and still have him be a bad guy and when we talk about why darth vader is so popular i'm going to posit that part of the reason is because he's a terrible person okay um but so it, it, the school shooting thing, I, I think it's an unfair comparison designed to draw on your emotions. I guess what I'm saying is it's a very Sith thing to have said that. And so I'm proud of both Phil and Chris because they were using my emotions against me. And that's a very Sith way to behave. Sure. So hats off to them. <laughs> um, but also they were wrong. All right. Let's start. I was thinking about this a little bit. Let's backtrack all the way back to 1977. Okay. Star Wars New Hope, while then just Star Wars, released in theaters. And Darth Vader... You want to tell everybody how old... Actually, we'll do it this way. I was three. And I was not alive. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Darth Vader immediately becomes an icon of evil in cinema and he has been referred to as such in the 40 years since then he is an icon of evil when you think of movie villains you think of darth vader which is kind of a tragedy because he's really just a pawn kind of right i mean i agree he is a badass dominating presence and if you ask nine out of ten people who the villain of Star well, I actually have no idea that, that I was just about to make up that statistic. But uh, I, w- I, think I would agree of- with you. I think if you ask most people who the villain of Star Wars is, they they would probably say Darth Vader. Right. Instead of Mace Windu, like they should. <laughs> OK. All right. <laughs> no, they should say Sheev Palpatine. No, no. The the Emperor is not the villain of Star Wars. You just described Darth Vader as a pawn. Who was was the master? Who was the person playing the pawn? It was the Emperor. There are pawns on both sides of the chessboard, Zach. Okay. That's, That's part of Anakin's tragedy is he is never not a pawn. Anakin is never not a pawn in the Star Wars saga. I think the only time you could say that he is not a pawn is at the very end of his life. And and even that, you could make a solid argument that he's being manipulated by Luke at that point. I don't want to make that argument because I like the redemption, and we'll talk about that more. Um, I'm just saying that you could make an argument for that. But Star Wars, when it began, we had no knowledge of the background of Darth Vader. We, had, we just knew that he was a... An evil man, eventually it was revealed that he was scarred, he was deformed inside of the suit. Uh, And actually, during Star Wars, we thought he murdered Luke's father. Right. It, It was told to us, the audience, the same it was to Luke, that Darth Vader killed Luke's father. Right. Uh, and that made us, the audience, very angry at him, initially. Because, because we identify with Wormy. So when would you say was the first, I mean, can you, because it's a very hard thing for me to pinpoint, can you pinpoint the time in your life in which you'd started to see Darth Vader as more than the villain of the story? Well, 
after Return came out, uh, that's when I realized that the Star Wars story wasn't really Luke's tale. Okay. That it was Vader's tale told from Luke's perspective. Because the Star Wars story is ultimately Anakin's redemption arc. The, up until Return of the Jedi. The prequels and original trilogy, right. Well, but e- even just in the original trilogy, what we see in there is because I actually think the prequels detract from this in a way, uh, unless you throw in the animated series, uh, like the Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, it's Anakin's redemption arc. It, it goes from Luke training to kill the man who murdered his father. That part is always looming in the background. And Vader is the first villain we see on screen that's not a stormtrooper. And, you know, stormtroopers are obviously cannon fodder. We know they don't count. They're all dressed the same. So Vader's the first bad guy you see on screen, and he stays a bad guy, even going so far as to plot against the Emperor, who, when the original trilogy came out, the only thing we knew about Emperor Palpatine and at first, I don't even think we knew his name when he first appears in, as a hologram in Empire. Uh, Vader just refers to him as my master, and I think one of the generals or admirals may refer to him as the Emperor. Yeah, there is no... In the original trilogy, the name Palpatine is never spoken. So, um, when we... When we see him, the the first thing we know about the Emperor and the reason we know the Emperor is a badass is because Vader kneels. Sure. And so even when you learn that the Emperor is the ultimate villain, um, let me rephrase that because you always know the Emperor is the ultimate villain because they talk about the Empire and they talk about the Emperor when they're talking about the Death Star in A New Hope. Right. Usually, if there is such a thing as an empire, usually there is an emperor in charge of it. So there's got to be someone in charge, and you know it's not Vader, but it sure as hell seems like Vader. And then you get to the end when Vader betrays the emperor, and he's redeemed. I mean, one of the most moving moments in Star Wars for me is still in the elevator when Luke announces that he's a Jedi like my father before me. Um, And I think I've characterized that as Luke reclaiming the high ground for the Jedi Order. Um, You know, and that I don't I don't think I recognized it while I was watching the movie because I was younger, Um, but definitely not too long after seeing it, I realized that this is Vader's redemption story. Sure. And I, I went to see the, the prequels because that was Vader's origin story. You know, when, when a new hope came out, I mistakenly believed it was about Luke, but it was always about Vader. Even though he doesn't have a lot of screen time in that movie. No, but he, he doesn't have a lot of, physical screen time but he always has screen presence sure you know what i mean because he's 
everything that happens in that movie is directly because of his actions or somebody trying to stop his actions. And these people in the movie are afraid of Vader and we're afraid because they're afraid. And so I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's it. And, and I think that redemption story, well, I want to stop there because I answered your question. I rambled, but okay. I answered it. Okay. So now let's add in the prequels. You mentioned it. it you went to go see them because it was set up as this is the beginning of Darth Vader. This is the part to the story that we were missing before. This is the fall. And and I knew I was going to see the, pre- the... I have not watched every Star Wars movie opening day like you have. Um, but I knew I was going to see Phantom Menace opening day when I saw the teaser trailer where you see uh, young Anakin walk over the hill and his shadow is Darth Vader. Sure. Or the teaser poster. I think that was a poster. Oh, that might have been a poster. But that, that image of young Anakin standing on the hill and him casting the shadow of Vader, I knew I was in line opening day. Right. As were many. As were yes. many. So let's add in the prequels and we get the context of his fall. And let me see if I can illustrate this. I, I know I'm going to try and illustrate it in a way, hopefully, that you can agree with. Okay. Okay, good luck. The idea, and I've been thinking about this as well since we decided that this was a topic we wanted to tackle now almost four months ago, probably a little more than four months ago. The When George made the Jesus analogy a thing, when George decided that Anakin Skywalker was not going to have a father, that he was going to be a virgin birth, essentially, and that the Force or Palpatine manipulating the Force or what, however his birth came about, that you were going to draw that Jesus analogy. What we actually see is the figurative Jesus being tempted and turned by the figurative devil. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the Whore of Babylon and Padme. Um... Oh, I, I, I mean, you can draw that analogy if you want, but I, well, I, I don't think that I do not think that his fall is her fault. I mean, obviously, I don't think that she was in, intending to cause damage oh. to his life in that way. But it, the the point being, she was used as a pawn, just like everyone else was. Palpatine being the figurative devil here, this is kind of a a strange, in a strange way. It is a story of a mythical and somewhat biblical figure being turned to evil. Well, it always has been, really. Right. Star Wars has always been a morality tale. But, I mean, biblical, biblical in almost the most literal sense, because George went there. He made it a right. virgin birth. And, and in that light, and with the actions... Here, here's what I can't get over. This is what, something I, I guess I've never really been able to get over. I, I love the Anakin character because of how, how much you feel for him. How much 
we as the audience want him to be this awesome character. We want to admire him. We want to revel in when, when Darth Vader is cutting apart rebel troopers in Rogue One. We want to jump out of our seats and be like, damn, that is fucking cool. You know what I mean? And it is. It was cool. It is really well staged and it was cool. But the, the trouble that I've all that I've had with it since the prequels have come out is that the turn of Anakin is pretty sharp. Now, I, I wouldn't say sudden because it was built upon, and it and it was slow. But once that turn happens, it is a complete three hundred and sixty, or one hundred and eighty rather. Three hundred and sixty is full circle. It's a complete one hundred and eighty. It's like he is a Jedi who is telling the most, the highest ranking member of the Jedi Council on the planet that there's a Sith Lord over in the Chancellor's office, it's the Chancellor, and we need to do something about this. And he goes from that to cutting off Mace Windu's hand, opening, you know, creating the opening for Mace Windu to be killed by the Emperor, and then he is immediately Darth Vader, and he storms to the Jedi Temple and kills his brethren. See, we view that differently. I think he was Darth Vader long before then. Really? He just didn't get the name. Because Okay, uh, explain. I don't I don't see his turn as that sharp. Okay. Um, because Anakin I don't think he was ever you could argue he was never truly a Jedi, but I think he turned. I think he went to the dark side when he murdered the Tusken Raiders. I think it was certainly a moment of weakness, but I, I don't think he completely turned at that moment. Well, but the force doesn't have to be binary, which is an argument I've made for a long time. Right. Um, but now Star Wars is agreeing with me. So, you know, good on them. Um, so the, the the thing is, are you, are you a Jedi or are you a Sith? is almost a different question than are you a light side user or are you a dark side user? It is a different question, sure. Because there have been heroic... Now, this is an expanded universe, which doesn't count anymore. But there have been heroic dark side users. And there have been really dick light side users. But they're still... Jedi and Sith are opposite ends of the... Uh, Jedi and Sith is a philosophical position. And that philosophical position informs their use of the force, but it doesn't dictate it. Okay. I so I agree with you. I, I, I agree with you so far. So when the Sith give in to their emotions, they use their emotions as fuel, we predominantly see it as hate and rage because those are evil emotions and we're supposed to see the Sith as bad guys. And for really, the record, the Sith in their own words, especially Palpatine, make mention of the use of hate in their power. Oh, because it's easy. It's one of the easiest. It's one of the two easiest emotions to play off of. Right. And both of them together, both of the two strongest emotions I think we feel as people play into Anakin's fall. And so I think when he gives into that sheer hatred, born out of love, 
for his mother. So both of those emotions, both of the strongest feelings we as people can have, he's giving into his emotion. That's a Sith thing to do. Because, yes, the Sith use hate and fuel your hate because you can focus hate. It's easier to manipulate hate. But love is also a strong emotion. Right. And the Jedi are peaceful. That is just as bad to them. So when I think his fall, I think he became Vader. You could argue earlier, but I would say definitively when he killed the Tusken Raiders, he just hadn't personally accepted it yet. And so, because he kills the Tusken Raiders, what's the next big thing he does on screen? What What's the end of two? He, he fights, fights Count the, Dooku. Right. Who, again, I've argued is not a Sith, but he fights Dooku. He doesn't have an opportunity to do any real damage, but he's definitely angry, and he loses a hand. Um, then we open episode three with them attacking and Anakin giving into his rage and decapitating Dooku. Right. He is a rage monster already when three starts. He is proud. He is angry. He is doing things that with reckless bravado due to his emotions and feelings. And so I think his fall happens long before the fight in Palpatine's office. I think that's just where he accepts that it happened. Interesting. Okay. This didn't, that's this theory didn't go where I thought it would go. That, that actually oh, makes what did you think I was going to do. It makes a little bit of sense actually. Oh, Oh, so you were expecting me to not make sense. Yeah. I was expecting you to do the Ben thing and try to turn it around and make it a anti Jedi thing and all of that. But no, that actually, I, I can sort of get on board with that. And, well, and, and that's in Palpatine's office. I would argue that in episode three of the big things we see Anakin doing, defending Palpatine is probably the most Jedi of them. I so disagree with that. And again, I'll make the case because I think that your argument that you just made actually enforces my point further. Uh, when he walks into that office, when he goes to that building... He is not going there to arrest Palpatine. He is going there to save Palpatine, and he knows it the second he leaves. Right, because he needs Palpatine to save Padme. Correct. It is entirely self-motivated. The case that you have made in the past is that, oh, Anakin is just trying to uphold the Jedi law. He's just trying oh, to no, remind no, no. Mace Windu. I highly doubt that that is the I, true motivation of that action. I, I never said that was his motivation. I said those were his actions. He is acting correctly. He's just motivated by selfishness. He is trying to stop Mace Windu from executing Palpatine outright. He's definitely doing it because he needs Palpatine to save Padme's life. But that's actually the right thing to do. Okay, but you're the one. Hang hang on a second. You are the one who started this podcast by trying to intimate that if a person is bad enough, they deserve to be murdered. No, no, I just asked. Well, right, and Mace Windu is bad enough he deserved to be murdered. Okay, Mace Windu is bad enough to des- that he deserved to be murdered, even though he hasn't. we haven't actually seen him do any really bad things yes, we have. ever. Like what? Like what? Because Mace Windu 
up to that point, what's the most evil thing that we had seen him do? We hadn't seen him do anything evil. He he was a guy on the council just hanging around in episode one. In episode right. two, he, he comes to the aid of Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Padme and fights in the Battle of Geonosis. And in episode three, he also he just... to overthrow the government. Oh, no. No, no, yes, he does. He's he specific. First off, you have to remember, Palpatine was duly elected. I know that. You've made this point before, but my, your logic is not... Not flawed. Your logic is, is being is implemented. Your lo- sure, your logic is your logic is not flawed, but at the same time, you're not implementing your own logic in the same way. You're you're creating a double standard. You, the idea that Mace Windu, a Jedi Master who, in theory, is only doing what he feels that he must to protect the sanctity of democracy and no, the Republic. He's not. He is Ben. No, he's not. He is not protecting the sanctity of democracy. He is trying to protect the Republic, which is a government, which is a, a political nation. It's two very different things. Okay, you're right. I apologize. Democracy, because we've already discussed at length that the Republic really is not a true democracy. Right. It's more of an oligarchy. But, but so re- he's, regardless, he's, he is trying to protect the idea of that Republic and protect his order, the Jedi Order, who at this point had served the Republic faithfully, perhaps to their detriment. Until the point where he says, if Palpatine won't surrender power peacefully, then we will have to take it to ensure peace. And my, something to that effect. Sure, and my argument is, I don't think that that is too far off the mark. Because you said it yourself. If someone is evil enough then sometimes they deserve to be murdered. That's the that's the idea have, of the death penalty, right? Right, which is wrong in and of itself, but that's a different argument for a different podcast. Okay, but you uh, but, but you said it. To, I fall back to the novelization of this movie, which is still canon. The first thing Palpatine says when they come to arrest him, they ask what he asks what the charges are. Um Mace Windu says you're a Sith. And Palpatine says that he thought there was freedom of religion in the Republic. Okay, that's great. They have no evidence at that point that Palpatine has done anything evil. That is not true. What what evidence do they have that he did anything evil? It is well known. Mace Windu goes in. It is well known. Hell, Dooku tells Obi Wan this. Right? It is well known that a Sith Lord was connected with Darth Maul. Well known. It's suspected. No, no, it, it's well known because Darth Maul, you would agree, is a Sith Lord. Correct? Okay. Darth Maul directly engaged the Jedi on several occasions during Episode 1, during the events of the Trade Federation blockade on Naboo, which was the beginning of Palpatine's plan to seize power. Right, and Yoda says at the end of that movie, too, there always are a master and an apprentice. Correct. So they know there's a master. So they know that there is a Sith Lord out there who is connected to these events with the Trade Federation and with the droid army that they have. But they don't even know Palpatine is Force-sensitive. No, they and don't. Again, but, Ben, being a that's, Sith hang and being on. a Force user... That's not the point. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point is, they know that the Sith Lord is connected... They know that the Sith Lord is involved with the Confederation of Independent Systems and their 
fight against the Republic in the Clone Wars. They, they know, know that they know that Sith Count Lord Dooku. I'm sorry, what? They know a Sith Lord is involved. They don't know Palpatine is the Sith Lord. Anakin says as much. Says that he's a Sith. No, he says, I believe Chancellor Palpatine is the Sith Lord we have been looking for. Okay, Anakin, the guy that Mace Windu didn't believe earlier in that movie, all of a sudden his word matters? No, Mace Windu chose to believe Anakin because he wanted to. Because okay. he does nothing he does up until that point gives Mace Windu any motivation to believe Anakin other than he wants to believe Anakin. At okay, that point. so he wants to believe Anakin at that point. It doesn't matter because when he walks in, well, okay, his motivation does matter. But what I'm saying is how he comes to that motivation doesn't matter. When he walks in the door of Chancellor Palpatine's office and he says you're under arrest, whether he's only doing it out of convenience of believing Anakin or not, in that moment, he believes that Palpatine is the Sith Lord that they have been looking for. And let's make sure that we bring this back. That would mean that not only has Palpatine been helping with the organization of the opposition to the Republic in the war, but he has also been running the Republic side of the war. Which means okay. that he has been orchestrating, which we, we, you and I, being viewers of the films, know this to be true. He has been orchestrating the deaths of hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of sentient beings just so that he could have control of the galaxy. That is unmistakably a wrong thing to do. Are we on the same page there? That it's wrong for him to want to control the galaxy. That it is wrong for him to orchestrate the deaths of hundreds of million, uh, of hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people across the galaxy, just so that he can have unfettered power. That is a bad thing. If 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 his motivation is to have unfettered power, then yes. Which that is his motivation. So yes. Well, it. I'm, I I I'm. Because the expanded universe is not canon anymore, yes, it is his motivation. Okay. So that part of the argument is is there. Palpatine but, is the epitome of evil in the Star Wars galaxy. He does things far beyond Mace the scope Windu of any of the other no villains. Evidence of that. No, he doesn't have any evidence of that, but if you so he's going to act as judge, jury, and executioner. And what are the Jedi supposed to be doing? Well, at that point in time, they are generals no, of the Republic's army. They were conscripted in, to be generals in the army that the Jedi asked for. The Jedi, well, one member of the Jedi Order asked for without the permission of the Council, but continue. But the Council took it. <coughs> the Council and the Republic took it. Because the Republic, run by Palpatine, was eager to create an army. But but the army was contracted and paid for by the Jedi. So if the Republic, if the Jedi don't want to get the army, the Republic doesn't get it. It's the Jedi's army. To be fair, we don't really know who paid for the army. We know that Dooku... Well, it was probably Palpatine. Dooku, Dooku was certainly involved in that transaction because he's the one who set it up where Jango would be the guy who was cloned. Right, it, it was probably Palpatine, but it wasn't the Republic. 
is my point. And as far as the Caminoans, am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, close Cam- enough. Caminoans. Caminoans. As long as, as far as they know, the Jedi purchased an army of clones. Okay. So, but the, the Jedi, Jedi are, know that they didn't. What? But the Jedi know that they didn't. But that doesn't stop them from going and picking it up. If if you get a package from Amazon and you open it up and it's something you want, whether you paid for it or not, if you choose to take it, you're still choosing to take it. Sure, but if you get a package from Amazon and it happens to be a 9mm pistol and there is a group of people that have started to invade your home because they want to kill you, yes, you're going to take the pistol. Again, the novelization, which is canon, the Trade Federation is in the right in episode one. Okay, but the trade, that that's not the issue here. The issue is the Clone War, which the Trade Federation, it, what, what, whoever's in the right and who's in the wrong, they're in a war. The Jedi are the generals of that war. So yes, in my opinion, but, they do have you, the authority to cannot, look out for the Republic. You cannot say... Palpatine is in the wrong because he did this evil thing and then say it doesn't matter who's in the right and who's in the wrong for who started the war. Palpatine started the war. Well, actually, the Trade Federation started the war when they invaded Naboo. Because Palpatine told them to. And Palpatine probably also told the Naboo to trade with the Hutt in violation of the contract they signed. But Mace Windu has no evidence of any of that. He has no evidence of wrongdoing. Okay. And he goes into that room with no evidence, despite the fact that people ask him or tell him that they should contact Master Yoda. He says there's no time. They have faster than light communication. There's no time to reach Master Yoda. Yeah, there is. You ch- you're choosing not to. You're choosing to act on your own because you want to act. You're choosing not to ask Yoda. You're choosing to listen to Anakin when you've never you didn't even want him around before. You've said numerous times you don't trust him. And now you're choosing to act. Mace Windu is not the good guy in that situation. But, I am not saying Palpatine is, but Mace Windu is not a hero. But he certainly is not evil enough to be murdered, justifiably. By who? Oh, by who? No, no, I, I'm at, what, what do you mean it's not, because he the, doesn't the get case, murdered. The case that you were making was that some people are bad enough that they have to be murdered, and Mace Windu is one of I them. I didn't say they had to be murdered. I said some people are bad enough that murdering them isn't evil. And you're saying that murdering Mace Windu in that moment was not evil? I don't think Mace Windu was murdered. Oh, what was... He was killed, but those, not every killing is a murder. So Palpatine did not murder Mace Windu? Palpatine defended himself. Palpatine was evil as hell, but he still defended himself. Okay. It's still self-defense. Okay. Okay. And and Anakin was motivated by wanting to keep Padme alive, but he still was pleading for the arrest of the Emperor. 
But again, that wasn't because of any sort of responsibility to good and to justice and the law. I didn't say it was because of responsibility to good and the law, but it was the law and it was good. But the law isn't always good. But the law in that case is good. I disagree. So you think people should be executed without trial? I think if there's enough of a reason to do so. Okay, but again, Mace Windu had no evidence, so there is no reason. Okay. But we yeah, as the audience suspicion. But we as the audience have every reason. We as the audience have every reason, but Mace Windu doesn't, so his actions cannot be good. Okay. Because as my friend Zach always says, you have to put yourself in the movie in the position of the characters in that movie. And Mace Windu is acting well beyond the knowledge his character has. Okay, let me put myself... And again, we, we're... Oh my goodness, we are getting completely <laughs> off the topic that we are going to discuss. But you know what? Who cares? We're we'll fighting. Back to it. We're fighting, and this is what people want. So that's <laughs> fine. I'm putting myself in Mace Windu's shoes. I am the senior member of the Jedi Council on the planet of Coruscant. And, in, and information is brought to me by a highly regarded whether by myself or by others, is debatable, but by a highly regarded member of the Jedi Order, a general in the Clone War, who has proven himself time and time again to be resourceful, to be loyal, to be nothing but a a stand-up soldier. Anakin Skywalker. Who you... Yes, I I have had. I have had misgivings about him. I have had doubts about his... uh, status as the chosen one up to this point but and you it, voted to not let him have a seat on the council that's correct because he was and, appointed in a way that no other jedi had been appointed before and because we already were having suspicions about the emperor's intentions that that is really the reason why anakin is not given a, the the rank of jedi master because right. they already were having misgivings about palpatine so now okay. now those misgivings have essentially been confirmed. Anakin no, comes they in. Well, well, but I'm. Hang on, hang on. So Anakin okay. walks in the room, and he <clears throat> says, "I believe that Palpatine is the Sith Lord." And Mace Windu says, "A Sith Lord?" He questions him. Right? He says, well, "Are you are you sure?" And Anakin's like, "Absolutely." He told me as much himself in his office. I'm going with you to arrest him. Now, granted, Mace Windu does say no. Stay out of this affair. You're too close to it, which, frankly, I do think is the right move. I think that that was a good call to try and keep him away from it because he knows that Anakin and Palpatine have been close friends through this whole process. But that's all the more reason he shouldn't have trusted Anakin when he came back. Well, no, because Anakin, first and foremost, is a Jedi at that moment, at that point. And that that brings me back to being in the moment, right? Mace Windu is also a Jedi, and if, in fact, as may have been suspected beforehand, if, in fact, Palpatine is the Sith Lord that has been orchestrating the Confederation of Independent Systems movements in this Clone War, then that is catastrophic for the Jedi Order, because it means that they have been working with potentially their enemy this whole time, which, by the way... You and I both know that with the Clone Wars animated series, the Jedi had intelligence and had a reason to suspect that the clones, there there was more to their creation than originally believed. 
and that there right. is programming in the clones to make them do certain things that they don't want to do and that the Jedi might not like. Right. A.K.A. kill people. You know, well, kill. they were supposed to kill people. Right. Kill not just people, kill Jedi. Turn right. against their generals. So that oh. puts the Jedi Order in direct threat. As a but leading, is Mace aware of that at that point? Yes, he is aware of that. Order 66 has happened before he comes in. No, Order 66 has not happened, but the the arc in the Clone Wars where one of the clones' chips goes off early and he kills a Jedi, that did happen at this point. Right. So there is already evidence that the clones can and apparently will turn against the Jedi if this internal programming is activated. That puts the Jedi Order in direct threat. But they didn't take any steps to fix the chips or do anything. No, they didn't because they were dumb. I'm not saying they weren't dumb. Okay. Well, I just mean if they were really worried about that, you think they would take a step to fix it. Sure. But they did nothing. They did nothing because, I mean, really, what would you have had to do? You would, you would have had to recall the entire army, which at that point they were not in a position to you do. You can recall it in waves. Okay, but that's not the point, Ben. The point is they are... In that moment, if I'm Mace Windu and my entire li- my life and my livelihood are being directly threatened, yes, I am going to take drastic action because that's what has to be taken to protect the status quo. Can oh. you at least see that as a potential motivation? No. You you cannot. You 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 don't think that that is Let, at all I, I, in the character's mind. I, I think that there are some mischaracterizations that you're doing because you want Mace Windu to be the hero. No, I, I don't care if he's the hero or not. I'm just trying to put you through the paces that this dude is not an evil person well, walking into this he, room. He doesn't trust Anakin when Anakin tells him he's a Sith. He doesn't. Well, right. He has to go and verify it himself. because. But he it, doesn't verify it. He does. He goes in and arrests the Emperor. Well, the Chancellor at that point. Right. He attempts to arrest him, and then Palpatine draws his lightsaber. On what grounds? Oh, my God. It doesn't matter what grounds. No, it does matter. Okay. So, let let's let me put you in a different position. So, you're sitting in your office, and a police officer comes in and arrests you, Zach. Do, do the charges not matter? I mean, the charges do matter. Okay, so then on what grounds does Mace Windu arrest Palpatine? Because he tells Anakin he's going to go investigate, and if it's true, Anakin will have earned his trust. And then he goes to arrest Palpatine. On suspicion of being a Sith Lord. Uh, Excuse me, not just a Sith Lord, the Sith Lord. On suspicion. So he's a person of interest in a crime. You don't get arrested for that. You, you do get arrested for that. There are people who not are arrested. Per- not for being a person of interest. There are people who have been arrested and have been brought in for questioning many brought times. Brought in for questioning is different than arrested. Okay. Brought in for questioning is brought in for questioning. Arrested means you are detained and do not have the ability to leave. When you are on, you can, you're, you need to, they need to have specific information that links you to a crime in order to arrest you. 
And Mace Windu has none of that. So, at best, it's an abuse of police power. Okay, you're right. In theory, when Mace Windu walks into that room, you're right. He does not have the proof that he needs. But then, Palpatine draws his lightsaber and begins to attack. That is the proof that he needs. Mace Windu and three Jedi walk in with their lightsabers drawn. He's defending himself. There are four sensitive people in the universe that aren't Jedi or Sith. But they don't have lightsabers. But lots of Jedi have died during the Clone War. He could have gotten a lightsaber. But he would have had to have turned that lightsaber red. Maybe it's a very old lightsaber. It was in a statue of Frieden Nod, for fuck's sake. Sure, but... So apparently Mace Windu was a very bad student because he didn't learn history or the law. But the lightsaber, if the lightsaber is red, it means someone turned it red. It means someone would have had to have bled, bled the crystal of an already existing lightsaber to turn it into a red crystal. But that doesn't mean it was Palpatine that bled it. Okay. What does Doesn't Rey at some point in time use Kylo Ren's lightsaber? Yes, but she doesn't okay, claim she pos- that lightsaber. She doesn't claim red. she doesn't claim possession of it. Palpatine just had it. It doesn't. He didn't carry it around with him. He had Jedi and Sith war art all over the place. It could have just been a memento, and he's force sensitive. And again, I'm only saying from Mace Windu's perspective, he does not have evidence to do what he's doing. And Palpatine, when he draws his lightsaber, is still defending himself, which in a civilized country you have the ability to do. Okay. I I mean, I'm obviously I'm not going to convince you of this. I mean, until the emperor says, no, no, you will die. Okay. Now, at this point, he's not defending himself anymore. Right. Which he does before Anakin walks in the room. Right. So Anakin doesn't know that that occurred, but Anakin does know he's a Sith. And then Palpatine raises his hands and lightnings him, which is blocked by Mace's lightsaber. Palpatine falls back against the window, and then Palpatine tells Anakin he's a traitor, because that's when Anakin walks in. Sure. Well, Mace says he's a traitor, and then obviously, yes, it's turned around. But I guess... so. That brings me back, I guess, to Anakin, which is really the reason why we're talking about this. Right. Anakin helps dispatch Windu. You have already just said yourself that at that point, Palpatine is not acting in self-defense. Right. But but also at that point, Anakin doesn't know that. Because oh. we have to keep in mind what the characters know. When Anakin walks in the door, he has heard Mace Windu say that he's going to assume power if Palpatine doesn't give it up. When he comes in, Palpatine is laying against a window, hurt, because remember, his skin is already deformed because the lightning bounced off Mace Windu's saber. That actually happened while while Anakin was watching. So, And also, uh, I, b- I believe that Anakin hears Palpatine say, no, no, you will die. Does he? Yes, he does. Okay. 
So he says, uh, you know, Palpatine call, says that Mace is a traitor. Mace says, no, you're a traitor. Palpatine does the whole come to your senses, boy. The Jedi are in revolt. They will betray you just as they're betraying me. But Anakin should know that the Jedi are not betraying anything. And that's that's where this all comes back, is what I'm trying to say. The idea What that do you mean the Jedi aren't betraying anything? They're trying to take over the government. They're trying to take over the government, but Anakin has all of the intelligence. What I'm saying, like the actionable intelligence. Anakin has this intelligence. Not his own like IQ. That's not what I'm saying. He has right. the intelligence. He has the information. He has all of the information from the Jedi, from Palpatine. Now, I, I have a question, a legitimate question. Does Palpatine come out and say he is a Sith, or does he say that, tell the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise, say that he knows the ways of the Force, and that they will discover it together? Does he actually say he's a Sith at any point in time? Anakin pointedly says, when, when Anakin draws his lightsaber on Palpatine in the office, he says, you're the Sith Lord. Right, but before that, before he goes to Mace in the first place. Right, that is before. That is before that. When Anakin draws his lightsaber on Palpatine and in that conversation that leads to Anakin going to Mace Windu, he says, you're the Sith Lord. And Palpatine does not deny it and says, use my knowledge, I beg you. So what I'm saying is Anakin has all of this intelligence. He has the knowledge. He has the right the ability to make the judgment call. And the judgment call that he makes is that saving the life of his wife is more important than the the Jedi Order and the war well, the, that he has been fighting for three years. Well, the Jedi Order has been treating him like shit for the last however long he's been in training. I mean, they really have not been. No, They're, no. Obi-Wan hasn't been, but the Jedi Order have been. I would also disagree with that. The Jedi Order gave him a Padawan who became one of his closest friends. The Jedi Order... And then took respect- that Padawan away because they rashly jumped to judgment and condemned Padme. Or not Padme, uh, Ahsoka. Condemned Ahsoka, sure. And, 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 that was, and that was wrong. And yes, you're right. They did not... They did not apologize for that. They tried to kind of brush it away and let her back in, and she didn't take it. Which is when I think Anakin ultimately becomes disillusioned with the Jedi, finally, at that point. But, yes, there are members of the Jedi Order that have their doubts about his status as the Chosen One, but he real I mean, he made his way to Jedi Knight. He has loyal friends in the Jedi Order. He has been fighting alongside the clones, Captain Rex, and all the guys in the 501st. They're, they've become like family to him. Right. And he, Rex and the 501st aren't the Jedi. I know, but, and but they are related. The- but they are related because the Jedi Order puts him in the position to be a general in the war and to serve with these troopers. Well, technically, Ahsoka commands the troopers, too. She outranks right. them. True, I I agree, but that's my so point. He he's just in charge by virtue of the fact that he's a member of the Jedi Order and the Council. You when you're talking about people who there's only one person in the Council that doesn't treat him like ass, and that's Obi Wan. No, and Obi Yoda also does not treat him like ass. Bullshit. It's it's true. Yoda 
Yoda's a douchebag all the time. No, Yoda is one of the key voices in giving Anakin the Padawan in the first place. Yoda believes that giving Anakin a Padawan learner is going to help him in his growth as a not only as a person or not only as a Jedi, I should, I should say, but as a person. But from Anakin's perspective, he didn't want a Padawan in the first place. So that's still a dick move by Yoda. And every time they have an interaction, Yoda does nothing but fuck up that poor kid. Okay. Because Yoda doesn't want to train him. Yoda insults him in the very first episode, in in, uh, episode one. Yoda doesn't insult him. Sure, much fear I see in you. That's not an insult. That's the truth. He doesn't deserve to, well, it is, but that he doesn't deserve to be a Padawan. He never tells Anakin that. Yeah, they, the, the council says he can't be a Padawan because Qui-Gon is still alive at that point. They tell Qui-Gon that Anakin and, cannot be a Padawan. Qui-Gon comes out and says, the, gen- the council has forbidden me from teaching you, but that doesn't mean you can't learn from me. Sure, which was the right call, by the way, because look oh. what happened. I, I agree. Qui-Gon made the right call. No, the Jedi made the right call. No. Yes. If they would have embraced him in the first place, none of this would have ever happened. But that's not true, Ben, because he what he they did embrace him, n- not to the degree that you might have liked them to, but they not did the, embrace not him. To the degree that human beings embrace other human beings. But we already the Jedi know. Are capable. Sure, that's what I mean. We already know that the Jedi Order they're not a regular group of human beings. They operate but, in a different, on a different plane of morality. They're a monastic order. Right. But they're a monastic order that has been placed in a position of authority. You're the one who keeps falling back on the law. The law. The Jedi Order are as linked to the law as anything else because they are in a time of war and the Jedi are authority figures in this army. It doesn't matter if they want to be or not. The fact is they are. Right, but when they have that discussion about how they don't want to be generals, it's because the Jedi are peacekeepers. Okay, but because we had that discussion that peace isn't inherently good, but they are in this scenario authority figures, and Anakin, yes. by being a member of the Jedi Order, is also an authority figure. They place a tremendous amount of trust in him to operate independently. Now, granted, does he go against orders from higher-ups? Yes, he does. Do they place trust in him to operate independently? Well, yes, he is a general in the war in several major conflicts. You you have to where, operate independently in that situation. Where Obi-Wan is there watching over him. Not all the time. But more often than not. But not exclusively. Okay. Right. So you can't say that they don't trust him at all because clearly they do trust him in many different situations. They have a choice but to let him operate alone. It doesn't matter. It's still trust. No, no. There's a difference between I trust him to operate alone and I have to let him operate alone because I don't have a choice. Again, you are you're splitting hairs. The point that I'm trying to make. No, that's a huge difference. It's not that huge of a difference to my point. It's not a huge difference to my point. My point okay. is that Anakin owes everything that he has at that moment to the Jedi Order. Because they own him. No, they don't own him. Yeah, they do. Qui-Gon won him. 
He's a slave. He's always he been was a slave. freed. He is not an he is not a legal slave at that moment. Does Anakin realize that? Does did Anakin have a choice to leave? I believe that he did. When? Because I don't think at any point in time. I mean, maybe when he was ten and he thought Jedi Knights were wizards with laser swords the romanticized version that luke scoffs at because that's the image of jedi he had when he left tatooine they may have qui-gon may have asked him but once qui-gon dies when his actual teaching begins does anakin have a choice no, I guess you're right. In a way, he does not because they take him in. Qui-Gon takes him in because Qui-Gon believes he's the Chosen One. And as the Chosen One and as a child of the Force, as the term is later used in Star Wars Rebels and other media. Right. He should be trained to use the Force in the Jedi tradition. That is Qui-Gon's belief. That's and why he takes Anakin- him off Tatooine. Right, and Anakin doesn't want to leave his mom, but Shmi convinces him to go. Right, because Shmi believes it's the best thing for him to right. not to not grow up a slave on a dust ball. And and I'm not saying she's wrong. I'm just saying it, at any point in time, does Anakin actually have a choice in what happens to him? I suppose, in a way, he doesn't. Because the only active choice he makes up until he chooses to side with Palpatine, and that's really just an extension of the one choice when he chooses to marry Padme. But otherwise, he spends his entire life trying to earn the approval of the Jedi Council, which he never gets. That's not true. He does get it. Clearly, he does get it. Ben, if if he had never earned the approval of the Jedi Council, they never would have placed him in the position of authority that he wound up having. But you keep saying that, but every... Ahsoka had the same position of authority, and she was a Padawan learner. What position of authority does he have? Ahsoka had that position of authority because she was Anakin's Padawan. No, because Barriss Ophi also has a position of authority over the clones. Because she is Luminara Unduli's Padawan. Another highly regarded member of the Jedi Order. But Ahsoka, when she's talking to Rex, says, I'm a Jedi, I outrank you. And Rex says, that may be true, but you still have a lot to learn. Jedi lead the army, lead the clones... So he just has authority over the clones by the fact that he's a member of the Order. They raise him to Jedi Knight when they give him a Padawan. Well, they they, they raise him to Jedi Knight before that point. Okay, right, because he no longer needs to learn because that's what Jedi Knight means. You're not a Padawan anymore. And that is inherently a show of trust. No, that's a grad. Not everybody who graduates high school is trusted by their teachers. I suppose you're right. But this so, is this isn't this is not exactly high school. This is well, no, no. It is exactly high school. That's the problem. No, there is a Jedi 
there are trials. There is a process of becoming a Jedi Knight. It's when they believe that you are ready to accept the responsibility of that. This isn't so, this isn't pass your classes and get a diploma. Well, no, that is pass your classes and get a diploma. You're taking tests. That's what trials are. Sure, you pass but, your tests, you get your diploma. But you the trials are not black and white. The trials are different for everybody. Okay. It's how you experience those trials and how you behave in them that earns you your status of Jedi Knight because we're talking about the Force here. We're talking about magic. Mm-hmm. So the magic behaves differently depending on the person that it's interacting with. Now, right, but granted, we, one, he's going to pass those trials. You and I, Actually, I think he has trouble with them, doesn't he? I, I don't know. You and I are we can't speak with authority on this topic because I don't think either of us are completely clear on the canon explanation of Anakin's graduation to Jedi Knight. I know that in the Jendi Tartakovsky Clone Wars series, they do depict his graduation to Jedi Knight. And the way that they do it is they they equate the experiences that he had had with Dooku and with... Actually, I just looked it up in canon. Anakin earned the rank of Jedi Knight without participating in the trials. That's, but they passed their test by... Uh, because they dueled with Darth Maul. That is how Anakin... Or is how Obi-Wan passed... And Anakin got it for his heroism during the Clone Wars. Right. That's what I meant. By fighting Count Dooku and surviving and by... And then in the Jendi Tartakovsky Clone Wars, there's an, an encounter with the Saj Ventress that he is able to defeat okay, so her. He survived a fight with the Sith Lord and became a Jedi Knight. But he's the chosen one, the most powerful Force user in existence. So, yeah, he survived. Yay. So, he... He essentially got, he graduated from high school because he showed up. I, uh, again, I, I think there's a lot more nuance to it than that. I, I, I just think that you're, you're saying they place trust in him. And I'm saying that all of their actions make point out that they don't trust him yet. They don't trust him because he's too close to the Emperor and he shouldn't have friends. That's why they don't put him... That's why they don't make him master even though he gets to sit on the council because they're using him to spy on his friend. They don't trust him. So I I understand they're putting him in a position of authority... That they've given him authority. But I don't think they've given him that authority out of trust. I think they've done it out of necessity. Okay. And, and so I, I whether they have done it, okay, whether they have done it out of necessity or whether they have done it out of trust, the fact remains that he had this position of authority and he enjoyed it. But he resents the fact that they continually don't trust him, which we know because he complains about not being made a Jedi Master even though he sits on the council. So that's unheard of. So that resentment to you is justification for becoming Darth Vader and killing well, no, I, the Jedi. I, I said he fell long before that, remember? I said he fell in Episode 2 when he killed the, the Tusken Raiders. Oh, okay, I know that. But I'm saying actually becoming, by title, Darth Vader, by accepting the Sith tradition as his new way of life, which is what he does. 
And by going to the Jedi Temple immediately afterwards and killing the people that he served alongside and that he has learned alongside. That, that is what I said at all. Okay, well, I, that is what I'm saying now. Okay? okay. That well, is the e- that is the evil act that we are really debating here. That is well, the the Well, no, we're not debating. That's an evil act, hands down. Okay. So the but debate w- what though, I'm saying is okay. I, I'm still talking about when when they go to arrest Palpatine. Anakin doesn't trust the Jedi Order. He's trying to earn their trust. He, they're refusing to give it to him. So when Mace Windu and Palpatine are arguing about who's the traitor, they both look like traitors to Anakin. And only one of them can help Padme, which is ultimately why he sides with Palpatine. He doesn't side with Palpatine because he thinks Palpatine is right or because he thinks Windu is wrong or because he hates Windu. The whole Sith Jedi politics part of it doesn't play into his decision at all. He just defends uh, Emperor Palpatine because he's afraid of or Chancellor Palpatine because he's afraid of losing Padme. And he didn't want to have to make that choice because he begged Yoda to help him so he never would have to. But Yoda couldn't... I mean, to be fair, Yoda couldn't help him. I mean, there, there was Yoda, nothing that could help him. How does, how does Yoda know that? Because all Yoda told him is except losing what you're afraid to lose. Right, Yoda doesn't know that. I, I'm... I am agreeing with you that Yoda handled that situation poorly because right. the Jedi as an order would handle that situation, situation poorly. poorly. I'm not saying the Jedi aren't flawed. Obviously they are. And we well, have, but, we have gone over that many times. But what, what I'm saying is, or, or the reason that I'm pointing this out is not because I, I'm, I'm really not trying to beg on the Jedi here. I'm, I'm really trying to focus on where Anakin is in his head at this moment in time. He has really tried not to have to betray the Jedi. He has done everything that he can think of to not have to side with Palpatine. And when push comes to shove, he doesn't have a choice. And once he's in, once he's made that decision and helped kill Mace Windu, he's in. There's nothing he can do to back out, which is one of the reasons he is so tragic. So that that was my question is with this terrible action that he commits. Why do we as a Star Wars fandom and do we as a pop culture in general look at this character in such a positive light? Well, and you believe you believe it is because of the tragedy well, first off, killing the younglings is not the worst thing Anakin does. I'm not saying opinion. it's the worst thing. I'm not no, saying I, it's the worst thing. I, I'm just saying, and when we talk about it, when they're talking about it, that's one of the things that's brought up about his ultimate act of evil. And again, I think murdering the Tusken Raiders is a far more evil act. Okay. But um, I think the reason that Darth Vader is so popular is because he is so terrible 
and is still the hero at the end of the day. Because of all the shitty things he did, and the universe still owes its existence to Darth Vader. So Darth Vader becomes a symbol of the fact that no matter how bad you are, you can still do the ultimate act of good. So, like, you made the characterization before, and I, George Lucas may have actually stated it. I don't know if he did actually state that there was a Jesus correlation. I mean, it, it seems pretty obvious to me. I don't know if he's ever stated well, in, 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 excuse me, in an interview of any kind. But Well, because the, the thing is, the virgin birth savior is a mythological trope. Um, and so if you look at it, um, I would actually relate this instead of relating it to Judeo-Christianity, which I don't think it does, because I think um, I, I think that's too controversial and not in controversy. That kind of controversy doesn't generate money and George generates money. Um, I think it relates more to uh, any like Egyptian mythology where Horus was a virgin birth and destroyed Set, the ruler of the dark gods, to avenge the death of Osiris. And there, there's a lot of instances of that. But that's a heroic... Um, virgin birth is a heroic uh, origin for the hero that saves all of existence. Okay. Um, and, and so... I think that's why George did it. I, I don't necessarily think he was trying to make modern day religious connotations. I think he was trying, and he does. He inadvertently does. We referred to him as Force Jesus several times. Several times. <laughs> so I, I'm not faulting you for drawing that conclusion. I'm just saying I don't think that was George's intent when he did it. Okay. Um, I think he was just trying to follow along with, um, you know, classic mythology storylines um but but i think ultimately the fact that darth vader is such a tragic character and does some very evil things and does some evil things that we don't even like how evil is actually decapitating dooku he surrendered well he, he, he didn't surrender Arthur. anakin disarmed him well dishand him that, that's what I mean. Anakin removed his weapons. Right. Dooku was surrendering purely out of necessity. But but he is not a threat at that point in time, and he just outright murders him. I mean, that's not entirely is, true. We know that the... I mean, the Force is a thing. Dooku, but, would, Dooku would have still been able to use the Force. But ironically, that's also... neither here nor there i guess anyway the the point that i'm bringing or that i'm saying is because anakin does because we empathize him with him when he's younger because he's a slave and he has a shitty upbringing and then he has a shitty life with the jedi where they don't want anything to do with him it's not a shitty life oh no it is a shitty life it's not a shitty life Com yeah it is it's not 
that uh, to say that the life that Anakin was living during the the Clone Wars animated series, granted, it is war, and there is a very real re- there's a reality to that war. But to say that he was living a shitty life, where uh, I mean, everything that he could have wanted all of his necessities were provided for okay those are two different things everything that he could have wanted in all his necessities people in jail have all their necessities provided for them slaves have their necessities provided for them i mean slaves don't always have their necessities provided for them is my point he but was a literal more freedom as a slave on tatooine than he did as a jedi i disagree and anytime he, at least when he uh, used his ingenuity in Watto's junk shop, he was rewarded. As a Jedi, he used his ingenuity, saved the day, and was still reprimanded for not following orders. So I, I'm not saying that it was street urchin level shitty. I'm not saying it was toiling in the salt mines of Kessel shitty. But it wasn't a great life. I wouldn't want to be a monk today, even with magical powers. Especially a monk that wasn't was not allowed to feel. All the good things in Anakin's life he has, he does because he defies the Jedi. Or he has because he defies the Jedi. His relationship with Obi-Wan is un-Jedi-like. But, it, okay, hang on. Anakin, you're you're right. Okay, so going along with your theory that yes, Anakin is leading this life of where he still doesn't really have any agency. He doesn't have the choice. He still gets married anyway, but he's a member of the Jedi Order and continues to play along with the facade that he is a loyal member of the Jedi Order who has not broken any of their tenets. Right, because he's by episode two, he's broken tenets. Right. Right. Sure, I, I agree with you. And then he gets married, and then he continues to break their tenants. So, Ahsoka, his Padawan, when she is given the opportunity to rejoin the Order, she just leaves. She she does not turn to evil. She She takes her opportunity as a person and decides that she does not want to serve this Order and, by, by the extension, the Republic, Anymore. She leave the order, though. She does leave the order. No, because no, no, no. Ben, Ben, Ben. They give her the opportunity to... Re- yes, do they, they cast her, her out? the opportunity to return. Sure. She is out. Right, they she is out. out. They asked her if she wanted to come back, and she said no. And she says no, but that that's my point. She takes her option. She leaves the order. But Anakin never has that option. Dooku left the order. Yes, Duke who did. What what my point is the option is there. You but are allowed Anakin you are allowed to leave the order. But does Anakin well and and we know Duke who left the order over an argument because of Qui-Gon's death. But Anakin does not leave the order. But but does Anakin even feel like he has the choice? Because having the choice and feeling like you have a choice are two different things. And you know what I mean? Like, do you have... Oh, I'm trying to think of a good example. All right. Like, if I show up at your house tomorrow and I'm like, hey, Zach, my car broke down. I just need a place to crash just till tomorrow morning. 
yeah, you have a choice to say no, but do you have a choice? Well, the I do have a choice to say no, but I obviously wouldn't because you're right. a good friend of mine and I would allow you to stay in my home. Right, but but that's the but so the thing is I know you would let me. There's no question. I mean, thankfully, we haven't had to test this theory, but... I, I have had to test this theory. <laughs> I've, I had to stay at your home when I was stranded at the during the snowstorm. And and I would not have thrown you out. And of course not. The storm. It would not happen. But because of, of my upbringing and who I am, while technically I have a choice, I really didn't have a choice. It, it's not a question. You know what I mean? Right. So... Did, did Anakin have a choice or did he have was was the choice there but Anakin wasn't capable of exercising it because there's a difference hmm. you know I mean if somebody puts a gun to your head and says do this thing or die yeah you have a choice but you also don't really have a choice so th- that's that's what I'm wondering and, I, and I'm not but that's asserting. not the cho- let let's let's not make that comparison because that's not the choice that he's presented with. There are several examples of Jedi leaving the order voluntarily. Anakin is directly associated with someone, Ahsoka, who he greatly respects, who decides that the even even when the Jedi are saying, "Oh, just come on back," she doesn't want it anymore and she leaves. And Anakin even, I mean in their last conversation, that we see so far. I, I know we're going to get another conversation from them in the seventh season of the Clone Wars, which is yet to arrive. But in the last conversation we see them have before he becomes Darth Vader, formally, uh, Anakin expresses to her that he has had thoughts himself about leaving the Jedi Order. He has a wife who has a life outside of the Order. Granted, she is heavily involved in the Republic government, but that doesn't mean that she's a member of the Jedi Order. That He has windows into life outside of the Order, and he started life outside of the Order. Granted, again, not an ideal situation. He was a slave on Tatooine. But he still has an idea and a conception of life outside of the Order. If he had been born and raised in the Temple, like Obi-Wan, I completely understand where you're coming from to say, did he really have a choice? And if if he had been born and raised in the temple, yes, I agree. He really would not have ever had a but choice. He was born and raised a slave. So the master, I don't know if you want to say apprentice or master slave, however you want to look at it. The And he expresses as much when he's talking to Padme on the balcony during Joey's uh, shortly after Joey's favorite sand monologue, um, and, and again on the bridge and or on the uh, landing pad in Mustafar, that that's the natural order as far as he's concerned. There are people who rule, and there are people who are ruled. And for him, the Jedi Order is his only chance to not be one of the people who are completely ruled. He has some modicum of authority. And more importantly, it's his only chance to save Padme because he's not only having visions of her death, but people have tried to kill her twice. 
it doesn't help that she keeps putting herself in that situation <laughs> because she needs to because that's what Padme needs to get off but right and Clone Wars takes place between two and three right so all the stuff that takes place in episode two happens well before the incident with Ahsoka and all the stuff in episode three takes place shortly after the episodes with Ahsoka because that's what the last season yeah well last season that we've seen because we're getting more right right um so that may when new episodes come out i may change my perspective but at that point he's very disillusioned with the order i think the only reason he's staying is because he's afraid for padme because one of the first things he does in episode three after he saves palpatine because that's the opening is talk to Yoda on the transport about how he's afraid Padme's going to die. Well, no, that that's later on in the movie. One of the first things he does after saving Palpatine is reuniting with Padme. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. But no, you, you do bring up, I think you have caught me here. You did bring up a very good point and something that I have always believed is a very important conversation in Star Wars is the idea that Anakin may truly believe what you said, that there are those that rule and those that are ruled. Plus, he's the chosen one. That's the most important he's ever been in his whole freaking life. Right. As much as they try to temper that. And, and frankly, that could also be a reason why the Jedi have never fully embraced him to the degree that you would like them to because they don't want this idea that he is the chosen one to go to his head well and and that's a bad move on their part because and we've had this discussion numerous times so i don't need to rehash it for the listeners but anakin's almost always right every time they tell him no to try and temper it and he ignores them he is right and all that does is reinforce the fact that they don't know how the world works. They are an outdated system that, to paraphrase Kylo Ren, needs to be burned. So, so I don't. Know, I, I I guess I'm I, I'm trying to figure out where we go from here. We've already established that Anakin's turn against the Jedi and his massacre at the Jedi Temple is a definitively evil act. Right. Not his first, and certainly not his last. But it is perhaps the most momentous, and it is the the event that cements him as Darth Vader. That I think that's where he gets his orange eyes. I'm but. not sure. I know that when he goes and cleans up the rest of the Confederate leaders, that is when I think the first time we see him with orange eyes. Right, that is where we see him, because that's a kick-ass scene picture. Um, when he just looks back and you just see the orange eyes peeking out from under the cowl. Right. Um, but I think he's fallen. Like I said, I think he fell when he killed the Tuscan Raiders. I think that was his turn to the dark side because that is pure emotion. And Anakin is a Jedi, but he acts like a Sith so much, even through the Clone Wars. Because he gives it, he follows a much more Sith-like philosophy than the Jedi philosophy. If we look up the Sith code and the Jedi code, 
you know, the, the Jedi code is all about peace and balance and not showing emotion. And the Sith code is all about your emotions and your strength will set you free. It's it's two extremes, and this is getting away from the from the topic. But it it we and we've talked about it before. But for people who haven't heard it, it is two extremes of dealing with the Force. The Jedi, rather than trying to find a balance, huh, right? <laughs> Ra- rather than trying to find a balance between dark and light, and trying to maintain your emotions while also doing good. They, at one point in their history, decided that it was simply easier to remove emotion from the equation. And that was the only way that they could see using the Force safely. Right. That, that's what I've drawn. That, that's the conclusion that I've drawn from the evidence we've been given on screen. That, that That is their mentality. Is that, oh, yes, there's lust and there's, and there's desire and there's hatred and all of these things that... Yes, the the dark side, what they refer to as the dark side of the force, feeds on. We are simply going to remove that from our lifestyle, and thus we will be safe. We will not turn to the dark side. We will be the uh, the beacons of using and being in harmony with the force. Oh, hey, I just uh, I just looked up the codes real quick because you know the internet is a thing. And the reason I bring this up is, do you know that they, and I didn't know this, um, I'm just making sure I'm in the canon. Yep, I want to make sure I'm in canon before I open my app. The Jedi code that they teach younglings is different than the Jedi code that adult Jedi learn. Really? Yeah. That this is new to me. It's new to me, too. Because I'm familiar with the the Jedi code itself. There is no emotion. There is peace. There is no ignorance. There is knowledge. There is no passion. There is serenity. There is no chaos. There is harmony. There is no death. There is the force. They use harmony in that code. That that's yes. That's the idea. Is you are trying to create a harmony. So, but what they teach younglings is emotion yet peace, ignorance yet knowledge, passion yet serenity chaos yet harmony death yet the force interesting and i think it's interesting that as younglings they wreck i'm speculating here um but i think that that may be what the original code was for the original incarnation of the jedi order and they still teach younglings that because you can't it takes a long time to quash human emotion. That yeah, that was what I was going to bring up. Perhaps they use that mentality with younglings because as we're growing up and becoming adults, puberty is a thing. Right. And and so they they slowly crush the humanity out of you to make you a Jedi. And then the Sith code um just because I did the Jedi code, you know, and uh equal time is uh peace is a lie, there's only passion. Okay, that's kind of harsh. The rest of this, through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The force will set me free. But it's all one string of sentence, Ben. So peace is a lie. There is only passion. That's where that stems from. 
Right. Peace is a lie. There's only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The force shall set me free. Sure. That's how Anakin feels about his life as a slave. The force is what will set him free. That's what Shmi tells him. He's always trying to break his chains. The chains keep changing, but they're always there. So this mentality and this, uh, not justification, but this, because justification makes it sound like, oh, it's, it's the right thing to do. But like this motivation, there we go. This motivation, is this what makes it okay to wear a Darth Vader t-shirt? Well, no, I think what makes it okay to wear a Darth Vader t-shirt is the fact that ultimately Darth Vader's story is a redemption tale. Okay. But is he truly redeemed? And that that was another question that was brought up by, well, not not by Chris and by Phil, but it was something that you and I talked about very shortly after. I don't think we had a microphone on. But you, you had started to kind of, because it had set you in a real tizzy, you had started to kind of contemplate right. whether or not he, he truly ever could be redeemed. Right. Does, does one heroic act erase a lifetime of shitty things? Right. And, and I don't think that it does. Okay. I, I don't think that's how redemption works. I think that we're, we as people are inclined to believe that that's how redemption works. And we want to believe how redemption works, that that's how it works. That I can do that one thing that erases all my mistakes and every bad thing I've ever done. And the universe will think I'm a hero until my daughter writes a letter that causes her to lose her job, despite the fact that she single-handedly led the rebellion through a shit ton of movies in years. Um, but that is the irony, isn't it? That the yeah. the universe never knows that Anakin is a hero. But what I mean is, it, but for us as moviegoers, we want him to be redeemed. And the fact that Luke gives him a hero's funeral because in every movie and every story we ever see about heroic people who die, they all get the funeral pyre. Right. So he gets a hero's funeral. He has a hero's death. His last act is to kill the emperor to save his son. We want all of our sins to be erased because we do that one heroic thing. We want in the moment to do the one heroic thing. You know, most of us are thankful we don't have to be put in a situation where we have to make the choice. But we want to do that. We want to be the person who kills the emperor to save our kid. We want to be redeemed for a lifetime of things we are that we regret and that we are ashamed of. And sometimes we hate ourselves for what we've done, whether or not that's reasonable or justified. You know, I'm not saying that everybody listens to this podcast is just ter- is a terrible person. I mean, I'm only speaking about myself here. But ultimately, that's why I think it's okay to wear a Darth Vader t-shirt because you're not celebrating the massacre at the temple. You're not celebrating the death of the uh, 
separatists on Mustafar. You're not celebrating the uh, the death of the Tuscan Raiders. You're celebrating somebody who put everything on the line for someone for for the person they loved, and ultimately was not necessarily redeemed. Because again, I don't personally think that redemption occurred. Um, but can have that redemptive act because of love again. And I think that's why we like Darth Vader, because he's a terrible person that in the end saves the universe. It's interesting that you bring up that innate desire to want to be redeemed and that that we as humans, at least according to your theory, that that's something that we identify with. Well, I think we do, and I I don't mean to get political here, but every religion on the planet is based on that. Oh, no, right. I I was going to bring that up to go back. I was trying to avoid it, but it's the elephant in the room. Yeah, it's impossible not to, because we already talked about the possible Judeo-Christian ties. I mean, I I, I grew up, I I would not consider myself a, a Lutheran at this moment i would not consider myself frankly even a christian at this moment but i was brought up in the lutheran faith and i did go through the catechism or or the uh the uh oh the confirmation there we go i did go through the confirmation process in the lutheran faith and in the teachings of the lutheran faith they're a little less strict about it than catholicism i mean catholicism you but even catholicism has elements of this they have the confessional right Forgive right. me, Father, for I have sinned. Because the idea of of Christianity is that we as humans are sinful by nature. And only by worshiping the Lord and only by making ourselves... Av- not making ourselves available. Only by acknowledging our sin and owning up to it do we become redeemed. Well, and, and that's not just a Christian thing either. I mean, right? That you know, Islam has a similar thread. Jude, Judaism has a similar thread. Uh, Hinduism with reincarnation has a similar thread. Buddhism. Uh, you know what I mean? That that is a thread that goes through uh, even all the way back Greek mythology, Roman mythology, or uh, that's the same thing, Ben. Um, you know, uh, Norse mythology is a little bit different, but. Um, you know, the weighing of the feather in um, Egyptian mythology, uh, the happy hunting grounds in Celtic mythology. We, we all have this this thing that exists that we're almost, if we don't have it innately, and I don't necessarily know that we do, we're programmed to have it by the time we're old enough to recognize it in Star Wars. Right. Culture has created it. Right. So... We want that saving grace at the end of the day because we don't deserve it. And that's what Darth Vader represents. And to top it all off, he's kind of a badass. Right. And by kind of, I mean, he is a badass. So you get the redemption factor. It it would be like um, the Judeo-Christian story if everything was Jesus with chasing people with whips and rage flipping tables (laughs) you know what i mean because that's what it is it's that one story um that is always my response when people say what would jesus do i'm like rage flip a table and chase somebody with a whip um 
but that was Vader's whole life. And then Vader did terrible things besides that, but he always had those badass moments. Sure. So, because until the prequels came out, Vader didn't really do a lot of evil on screen. I mean, yeah, he force chokes some Imperial guys, but they're obviously Nazi stand-ins. You can choke Nazis all day, and that's fine. I mean, not, uh, not, not totally forgetting about the part that he's in charge of these Nazis. No, Tarkin is, because Tarkin ultimately decides to blow up a planet with the Death Star. Too. I mean, he chokes Mahdi at the table, but I, I, I think the first thing that comes to my mind when you say, oh, he's choking all these Imperial guys, I think of Empire Strikes Back. And at that moment, he is in charge of these Nazis. Right, right, at that point. But I, I'm just saying, when, when you're looking at it, like you mentioned, Vader doesn't really have that much screen time. And when he does have screen time, he's not really doing a whole hell of a lot. I mean, beating an old man with a stick in the Death Star. I mean, I, you're you're right, but I mean, he is or he is in command of these troops. He is well, a part of the Empire. He is organizing it. He's still a badass. I'm not saying he's not, and I'm not saying he's not evil. I'm just saying on screen, the things we see him do are in the original trilogy are not horrible or completely justified at the moment. I, I mean, he chokes the one guy on the Tantive four. Oh, he picks up uh, Captain Antilles and he right yeah. by the throat. Right. Um, and he force chokes some imperial guys but whatever but most of those guys are cocky so you want to force choke him anyway or maybe it's just me <laughs> sure uh, I, I i see your point i i see your point it anything that we see him do directly is not expressly evil it's it's more the idea that he is now he is an authority figure and he is commanding troops in this empire that we know has been set up by evil actions and is run by an evil person that that's well, and, where the evil comes in. And and honestly, we don't know that till the prequels come out. I mean, we believe he's evil and he's building a planet destroying weapon. Um, and they definitely set it up that way. That's what we're supposed to see. But all of these horrible evil actions take place in the prequels. And so when you're looking at why people love Darth Vader, you have to remember they fell in love before the prequels. True. So we've been buy buying Vader shirts for 40 years. But Vader's only massacred younglings for, what, half of that time? And not even. Vader's only massacred young younglings for uh, close to 15. Okay. So Vader's only massacred younglings for 15 years, massacred Tusken Raiders for 18, maybe? Was it three years between those two movies? Uh, yes. So, for less than 25 of the 42 years we've been in love with Darth Vader, was he a mass murderer? I suppose and, you're right. And at the end, he saves the universe. But we've had that new information now for a, a long enough amount of time that we should be able to come to, if we were going to come to a different conclusion, we should have come to it. 
But who's wearing the Darth Vader shirts? Star Wars fans. Right, but uh, what demographic of Star Wars fans? I mean, I've seen a lot of Darth Vader merch out there for all ages. Because, I mean, like... I I fell in love with Darth Vader during the original trilogy, so that's the Darth Vader I'm wearing. Okay. Okay. And my son, who's a younger generation who should have fallen in love with Star Wars during the prequel era, or did fall in love with Star Wars during the prequel area, era, but he's still my son, so he fell in love with Star Wars through the original trilogy. Because I was afraid you would lose the impact in Empire if you watched the prequels, if you watched them in order. I I see what you're going for. You're saying that the the generation of fans or that generations of fans that have were influenced by the original trilogy first are more likely the people that are wearing the Darth Vader shirts. Right. Okay. Well. I'm speculating that. I don't have any evidence to support that. Well, and that that does make sense because really Darth Vader in the costume, the iconic appearance of Darth Vader is almost exclusively contained to the original trilogy. You only see him in the costume for a few minutes in at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Right. So if you have either fans who were first fell in love with the original trilogy or generations introduced to Star Wars by those fans, they're going to have a similar perception of Vader, which is not a school shooter. Right. Um, And, you know, there are still, and though I'm softening in my old age, um, many fans in that generation and subsequent generations influenced by them who do not like the prequels and who did not want them. You know, we've talked about maybe one of the best things uh, to come from the last Jedi is the prequels suck less in comparison. Oh, come Uh, on. Well, I'm I'm just saying we have stopped fighting about how much we hate the prequels in a post last Jedi era. And, but you and I just lumped the saga together. But our perceptions of the saga are colored by the fact that we started with the original trilogy. Right. You know, when Sheev Palpatine walked on the screen, there was never a moment in time when I did not know that that was the emperor. You could call him Senator all you fucking wanted. That was Emperor Palpatine. I know where that story ends. Right. And so everything he does is suspect to me immediately. The same thing with Anakin. One of the big problems we all have with whiny Anakin is that's Darth fucking Vader. And if we had grown up with whiny Anakin, we probably wouldn't be so upset by it. Instead, he grew up with whiny Luke. Right. Who still pisses me off. (laughs) When we talked about him, I still referred to him as Wormy. Yeah. Wormy and his sister Squirmy. And and it's this is anecdotal and only tangently related, but like I've never played the Lego Star Wars games. I have. You know why I, I started to? You know why I stopped? Why is that? Because of course I was playing as Vader, right? Right. 
and I'm walking around picking up the little pips, whatever they're called. The studs. The studs, which are currency in the game. Right. I'm the Dark Lord of the fucking Sith, and I'm picking up loose change. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's different. It's a... it's a collectathon game. game, and I watch my kids play it. I wouldn't even say it's a kids game. It's a collectathon game. I mean, okay. I, but that that was a uh, you know Banjo Kazooie, DK sixty four. A lot of those like classic platformer games are collectathon games. But I, that was literally that was the last thing I said when I was playing it. I was sitting there playing it, and I set the controller down. And Caden looked at me and went, "What's wrong, Dad?" And I looked at him and said. I am the Dark Lord of the fucking Sith. Why am I scrounging for change? <laughs> okay. okay. I am done playing this game. Too much of a disconnect. Well, I, I do encourage you to give... With that aside, they actually are coming out with another Lego Star Wars game that is going to encompass all nine films of the Skywalker saga. Uh, not this year, but next year. So I, I think that... Uh, I think you should give it another shot at that time. We may, and, and like I said, I did watch my kids play the first one, the first ones, um, but I personally was not going to be, I'm not going to play Wormy if I don't absolutely have to. Sure. And I'm not scrounging for change as Darth Vader, and I'm not going to win the game if I don't scrounge for change. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, no, I'm not playing, because I'm the Dark Lord of the Sith, goddammit, and I should just be able to force suck all the change to me. If okay, we're getting away from the larger topic. I, I, yeah. I do think that we've come to a pretty good conclusion, though. Um, this conversation has definitely helped me kind of not only find a new... It, it's funny, because when we look at this and we rehash it and we think about it in different ways, I never made the connection that you did... That the biggest moment for me in this conversation was when you made the connection with the conversation of Anakin and Padme. Uh, and the idea that, in Anakin's mind, it isn't so much that, oh, someone should tell them what to do, which is kind of what I took away from that conversation, but really more the the idea that there are those who rule and that there are those who choose to be ruled. Or not choose, but those there are those that are ruled by those people. And the fact that he didn't want to become one of those people again, that that's a major factor that I never took into account. So I, I appreciate that. And I thank you for that. Hey, I'm, I'm glad that's twice. I got to blow your mind during this podcast. That makes not this particular one, but I mean, well, in the series, Ben, we have illuminating points <laughs> and illuminating conversation all the time. I can only hope that there are some points that I have made that oh, you have, and, that you have felt are. the same about. There are there. You've you brought up some things that I had not considered previously. And if you listen to the podcast, you know, I've changed my perspective many times because of things Zach's brought up that I had not considered in that direction. You I know, mean, Duke, who's still a hero. OK, we're not we're not in agreement on that one. And eventually I will definitively prove you wrong. We'll have to we'll have to dedicate an episode to that in the future. I was just going to say at some point in time, we need to start uh, talking about this movie coming up for Christmas. Yeah, at some point in time. But we don't we still don't know all that much about it. But I saw a teaser trailer, Zach. I, I have also seen that teaser trailer and. What we have done, what we did for the last installment of the Skywalker saga was we waited as long as we could to collect as much information as they would allow us to have before we started to posit 
but Zach, the I possibilities. Was so excited. I know. But Ben, it's funny that you bring that up because I've been having this thought that's been rattling around inside my head. And I'll get real, real, really real with our listeners here. And I brought this point up before. Um, Part of the hiatus that we just took was, I think, subconsciously due in part to the negative aura that the Star Wars culture has gained through The Last Jedi. Do you uh, think so? I do think so, because I feel it hurts me. <laughs> it truly hurts me. I know that that sounds stupid, but it does, because I hate that there is so much hate around this thing that I love because of one movie. But you got to remember that, that those arguments come from a place of love for many people. In- I'm not saying there's not just some douchebags out there that want to shit on everybody's thing. And again, if we haven't reiterated enough, treating the actors and actresses like shit is a dick move. Yeah, don't that, do it. Don't do it. But that is unacceptable. But this negativity continues to permeate. You cannot find a post on the Star Wars Facebook page where there is not at least one, if not several, comments about the Last Jedi, which is now a year and a half old. And I feel like you and I still have not truly hashed that film out to the degree that we should. I feel like in order to fully embrace the final chapter of the Skywalker saga, we have to put to rest our feelings about the previous chapter. And how do you propose we do that? Well, I think we need to get together and watch the film together. I was hoping you were going to say that. One more time and revisit this film for a third time uh, formally on this podcast. Obviously, we have talked about it <laughs> in other a sections a lot since it's been released, but we have we've done two episodes dedicated to episode eight, The Last Jedi, that have been titled Let the Past Die. And I think in order to truly allow the past to die, we must analyze it one more time to see if the film really deserves the ire that it has achieved. Okay. <laughs> now now you're questioning. You said you hoped. No, you no, hoped. The, only question, the only question I have in my mind is, do we have to watch them both in order to fully appreciate it? I'm trying to decide if I should fight for the uh, episode seven and eight marathon. Oh, where we sit and, and dissect both movies. Cause, cause one of the big issues I have is the transition from seven to eight. You know what I mean? I think that, um, I think there are times where the things we were built up to care about in seven, um, are, shit on in a way in eight uh and some of that uh you have explained to me and put into perspective for me uh so that i no longer feel the iron venom for them that i did previously um rest assured that any good feelings that i have toward last jedi are because you convinced me to stop and take another look at it okay i appreciate that 
if we sit down and I say anything that is not hateful, that does not involve the fight scene with Ray and Kylo, because that was badass. Um, but my ability to actually look at the movie and examine it as a whole and even revisiting it a second time so that I had a chance to look at things that I may have missed previously because I was angry about something else because that happened. Those things happened because you gave me a, you wanted me to look at it. So what I'm wondering is, do we need to watch or should we watch seven? I think I, I am open to that way of approaching it. And the reason why is because a big part of what I wanted to accomplish with our, our final look at the last Jedi before rise of the Skywalker is I wanted to examine the new characters in particular very closely and examine the treatment of the legacy characters as well, because there is a lot of uh, debate whether these new characters have been handled appropriately and especially over whether these legacy characters have been handled appropriately. And I think in order to get a clear picture, I think you do need to take both movies into account. Well, and, and here is my concern with that. And this is why I was hesitant or why I seemed hesitant. The episode seven, The Force Awakens, is just nostalgia candy. I disagree. No, no, I, I'm not saying it. I, I shouldn't say just as if it doesn't have substance of its own. I mean, it is a greatest hits for me. It, it goes back and touches on all the things I needed to see as a Star Wars fan. From a viewer perspective, from a pop culture in the real world perspective, yes, I agree with you. It is so, the film that they intended to be a, a light reboot of Star Wars for a new generation. Right, and they, they wanted me to... I we've talked about it. I fanboyed out when the millennium Falcon came on screen, when they hint that, Oh, that, that ship's garbage. I knew what it was right away. And right. stuff talked about it. Um, they wanted me to get excited over those things. And one of the things that I think, uh, caused some of my problems with the last Jedi is the force awakens was a decent story with a lot of nostalgia candy in it. A lot of childhood memories, a lot of invoking feelings that I had for the original trilogy and cleansing my palate of the prequels, so to speak. Because it paid homage to the original trilogy. Correct. I don't think anybody can say it didn't. No, you can't deny it. It did. Well, I mean, you could deny it, but you're a fucking liar. <laughs> um, and that's fine. If you want to be that, that's okay. So my concern was then we had, what, a year, year and a half before I watched The Last Jedi? Uh, two years. Two years. So think of how much nostalgia played into that in those two years. Because... One of the things, and I think I've mentioned this before, and uh, this will probably get cut anyway because I'm ambling, 
But one of the reasons that the original or that not the original, that Phantom Menace was such a letdown is because there was 16 years of hype. Right. We spent 16 years being told stories that were fantastic because there was no budget constraints in a book and much less budget constraints in a comic. And I shouldn't say no budget constraints in a book, but you know what I mean. You don't have to have an $8 billion budget to... To to realize your vision. Right. Right. Um, And everything is always perfect because you just rewrite it if it's not. And so there was all that hype built up, and there was no way Phantom Menace could live up to that hype. And arguably... And then it wasn't very good besides. Right. And arguably, The Force Awakens, you can't even... I, you know, you think about it. Oh, well, the last Star Wars movie came out in 2005, so there was only 10 years of hype. I would disagree. I would say that because it is a continuation of the story from the original trilogy, there were 30, there was 30 years of hype, 35. And, and this is going to sound really terrible, but by that point, the bar was a lot lower. Right. Because we looked at the original trilogy through rose-colored glasses because you and I have dissected it. It's good. I love it, but it's not as great as my memory says it is. It's not perfect. No. It's not. Um, It's still better than the prequels, but it's not perfect. And then you had the prequels come along, and it was kind of like the air being let out of our tires. And then The Force Awakens (laughs) hit all the original trilogy buttons again and was a great story. Maybe not a great story, but it was it was good. It was a fun movie. So the last Jedi, I'm I'm not trying to cut you off, but the last Jedi in contrast is a very different tone, a very different style of film from anything we had seen before. And and honestly, I just don't think the story was as good as Force Awakens story. I agree. I had problems with it. I agree, and um, we and we will get into that. So and anyway, day. that's my concern is that watching them back to back may highlight some of those differences that are bad too so i guess what i'm asking you is if that starts happening rein me in because i don't want to i want to look at it as a whole and not or or as its own thing yeah is a hopefully you understand what i'm saying i I do understand what you're saying and that was what i was going to propose because i i think looking at them back to back will hopefully give us more of a chance now that we've had the years removed you know, we are now almost four years. We're three and a half years removed from the release of Force Awakens, one and a half years removed from the release of The Last Jedi. Hopefully, those feelings of nostalgia, those initial gut reactions that we had, which were very strong in both ways, uh, hopefully, those emotions have subsided to the point where we can now look at these two films Granted, they were not made by the same creative forces, but they are considered now part of the greater, larger story. I, we, I just don't we, want you to be disillusioned. I'm still going to fanboy out when the Millennium Falcon's on screen. Oh, I, I understand. But <laughs> but I think that that will be the challenge for us with our final look at The Last Jedi and perhaps The Force Awakens now will be to look at it as its 
not its own story, but in a way, its own story, right? We look at these as it's a trilogy of trilogies. We have the prequels, which we consider very much its own thing. We have the original trilogy, which we consider very much its own thing. The sequels now, I think we have to challenge ourselves to look at them as their own things and judge them on those merits alone. And, and I think almost unfortunately, it's really easy to put the force awakens closer to the original trilogy. I agree. Um, and then once it's all said and done, we totally have to watch all the movies in or in chronological order. <laughs> I actually have done that recently, which is kind of what inspired me to talk with you about this. But I, we we have gone on for far too long. Yeah, sorry, Zach. Oh, that's okay. And for those of you who have stuck around to the end, I really appreciate you, and I thank you for taking your time because we it took us a little bit to come around to our actual point. Uh, but I, I do think that we got to the conclusion that we were hoping for. And I do hope that you join us next time when Ben and I tackle the task that we have put before ourselves <laughs> to look at the Force Awakens and The Last Jedi before Rise of the Skywalker. Until then, you can get a hold of us by emailing newjediarchives at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on whatever podcasting app you're using to listen to this. You can check out gncasts.com for all of the episodes we posted there. You can check out spreaker.com for every episode that we have ever, have ever posted of this podcast, all the way back to the beginnings when we were using Ben's uh, blue snowball to record our episodes. <laughs> and they, they don't sound very good, but hopefully you can find little nuggets of wisdom in there. We, we've grown a lot in the over two years that we have been doing this granted we've had some breaks but i do think that we're on to something and i think that we are now in full uh we're i, I think we're going to be in full force heading into the final chapter of the skywalker saga at least i would like to be i'd like to have our conversations be as frequent as they should be i'd like to get back to an every other tuesday without fail at least until december <laughs> Well, let's make that our goal, Zach. Let's make that our goal. Until then, Ben, may the Force be with you. And also with you, This has been a Galactic Netcast production. For more, go to GNCast.com.